Amen. Are y'all ready for the word? Okay, y'all got to do better than that. All right. On Wednesday night, I'm going to be doing something for a while. I want to spend Wednesday night doing differently than Sunday morning. I want to do something I think the church is in need of, and that's talk more about character. Folks, character matters. The Bible does not divorce living right from being a Christian. When I grew up, people respected good behavior. They expected good behavior. Even though my mother, at the time that I was a child, was not a born-again Christian, I mean, I learned manners. i uh, got to tell you a story. It's a terrible story. My mother sent me to 4-H camp. Oh, I couldn't wait to get there. It was at Rock Eagle, Georgia, where the, where the Indians came down and brought all the rocks from all the states and built this giant rock eagle and there were going to be powwows and archery shoots and BB gun shoots and canoe races. Do you know what my mother put me in? Discipline class. I walked in a room and it's full of girls. Only guy in there. And they're learning to set tables where the forks go, opening, and the lady said, oh, we're so glad a young man is in here, I, and I, I, I was so angry at my mom, because who cares where the fork is supposed to be sitting, just pick it up and eat the food. I really appreciated that class when I went to Mary Frances's house. And I knew what the forks were for. But when your mother sends you to disciplinary class, you know there's a reason she thinks you need it. Well, I was raised open door for women. Don't talk with your mouth full. Speak when spoken to. Or you get the backhand upside your head if you, <laughs> you don't back talk your grandparents ever for any reason. So I was raised in that environment, and it was actually very healthy and very good for me. And I think right now, today, I think we need to go back and start talking about that. So my sermon title tonight is called The Wisdom of God. And I want to go into the Bible and start talking about what the Bible has to say about wisdom. There is a earthly wisdom, and there, there's a natural wisdom and there's a godly wisdom. Now, Justin, I did not give you this scripture because of I was late for church. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 or 1 verse 16. And Justin will jump up there and put, make sure it happens. But it's my fault if it doesn't pop on the screen. 1 Corinthians 1.16 or, or 1.18. For the message of the cross... Is foolishness to those that are perishing, but uh, to us that are being saved, it is the power of God. It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? 
Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. And it pleased God that through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The Jews request a sign. Greeks seek wisdom. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. For those who are being called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, 1 Corinthians 2, 5, and I'll just read that. And that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We speak a wisdom among those who are mature. Now, go with me now to Proverbs 1, 7. I'm going to make some statements tonight, and I just want you to I just want you to digest them and think for a minute. I want to go over some of the things that God has taught me over the years, things that we need to get back to and things we need to teach our children. And this is one of them right here, Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's literally almost lost in our society. I'm going to read something in Proverbs in a minute. Let's talk about understanding here for a minute. Let's talk about knowledge. Among our young people, there's a premium of something to be highly sought after and desired. I'm going to use a man's name now, Elon Musk. We would say he's smart. And we'd be right, wouldn't we? I mean, I think his cars are cool. I'd like to have one. They're pretty fast. I think his rocket ships are cool. I'm not going to Mars with him. I think that's stupid. If you can't fix here, don't worry about Mars. But, and I'm not saying he might be or may not be. I'm not prejudging the man. If he's not saved, whoopee-doo. Am I right? We're listening to a lot of people that seem to be billionaires, and I'm not against a billion dollars. My brother made a statement one time, and he looked at me and said, I'm working on my second million. I said, really? He said, yeah, I worked on the first one so long, I got tired and decided to start working on the second one. I thought, yeah, you never got it either, did you? But, you know, we, we, we look at that and, we, and we, we revere people as being educated or uneducated. And I'm not against education. I think you need to use your mind. I think you need to use it. And a lot of people have looked at me and they think I'm very smart. And you're right. I mean, I'll give you all a chance to say, man, you know, just look at me like you're dogging a new bowl. But, I, I, but my grandfather was the professor of horticulture at the University of Georgia. That's a pretty big title. My earthly dad was a captain of the Marines, and he's one of the three men that designed the C-5A galaxy. He's an engineer that was one point below genius. I don't think he's in heaven. How good did that do him? 
So I, I consider my lineage, I don't, I don't have a lot of idiots in my family. They're all pretty smart. But when I got my pilot's license, uh, I was in a class where people took the test and passed it. I didn't. I read the book, and, I, and I'm just telling on me. I read the book on VORs and how to follow a VOR and an NDB uh, and make a lick of sense to me. I had to literally read and reread and reread the book and go back and get in an airplane and superimpose myself up over the city of Orlando to figure out how to read this instrument in, in a plane that told me where I am. I don't, I'm not an idiot, but it just didn't fall on my head. I read it, and it didn't make any sense. And I've always, I've always had to dig for information. I, it just doesn't seem to jump off the page to me. And so when we have our class and, and um, the Bible school, a lot of people are looking at me going, well, the book is hard. And suck it up, buttercup. Sure, it's hard. Read it anyway, and if you don't get it, read it again, and read it again, and read it again. I've got books in my library I've read 50 times, but I'm getting it. And I don't know about y'all, but everything doesn't just fall on us. There are, there's silver that's got to be mined and gold that's got to be dug out of the earth. And then when you dig it out, you're going to have to mine it. It isn't just, it isn't just laying there in the veins like people show. I mean, it's really not, it's really, you're going to go looking for it. And so it is with knowledge, but now there is another knowledge that doesn't come through your five physical senses, and it's called the knowledge of God, and you're going to look for it or you won't find it. Now, anything about this scripture, now this scripture is powerful because it said the reverence of God is day one. Don't get offended at me. We got some idiots on the planet. Um, I've met some. Um, I'm trying to remember the story of the girl the other day that I was talking to in the store. Well, I can't remember that one, but I remember the day that I went into the store, and um, I think I my bill was a dollar and and four cents or ninety four cents. I can't remember what it was. I gave her a I gave her a dollar and four cents, and she couldn't figure that out without a calculator. I said, I said, uh, no, I was it was a dollar ninety six, and so I gave her two dollars or something like that. Or, and I told her, I said, just give me a buck back. I'm gonna give you four cents. Give me a buck back, and she couldn't figure it out. And so I said, well, just give me. My 96 cents, she did, and then I put my four cents with it, and I pushed it back, and I said, now give me a dollar. And she said, well, I got to call the manager. I said, well, I need to call the manager. That's 100 cents. And then I asked her where she was going to school, and she said she graduated, and I wanted to just crawl under something. And I walked out, and I went, oh, God, you're voting yeah, how do you not know? See, I came up 
working at McDonald's where you had a piece of paper and a pencil and they came in and they bought their hamburger and their fries and you figured it out and you made change. That, those are the days, my friend. So, so all of those things are very simple to me. They make sense to me. We're in a generation now that can't even multiply and divide and add. Now, I'm getting way beyond myself. But now listen to this scripture. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. And you're going to find out the closer people are to God, the smarter they are. There's people that just get it, and they're almost always born-again Christians who read the Bible and know the Lord. So if this is true, wouldn't we want to raise our kids in the fear of God? And what does that mean? What does it mean, the fear of God? It is advantageous monetarily and physically to live right. It promotes financials and health to live right. And a lot of times people are like, I don't know what happened. And I'm going to read something else, Justin. I don't want you to get angry at me. But I was reading, because it's not in the notes. I was reading the other day um, the um, Ecclesiastes. And I, and I want you to go over there, and I'm going to find it in my Bible here. I know it's near here somewhere. And most people don't read Ecclesiastes. Most, most people are like, well, that's about as morbid as it gets. Oh, i got to find it. I'm, what page is it on? Isn't it like before... Yeah, it is, right after Proverbs. It was last week anyway, but the other day I sat down and I read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to tell you all a secret. Don't get depressed when you first start reading it. Because I've read commentaries on Solomon who said he was backslidden when he wrote it, but he wasn't. He's doing something here that you don't hear a lot of faith and word people talking about. He's talking about life. And he asks some pretty, he, he answers some, he asks some questions. And I want to read a couple of them. Chapter 1, verse 3. What profit has a man from his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes and the earth abides forever. The sun rises. The sun goes down. It hastens to the place where it rose. The wind goes toward the south and goes to the north. And it just comes and it goes. And, and, he, and, he, and he says, and, and, and the rivers run to the sea. And the sea's not full. And the, they return to the things that are full of labor. Man cannot express it. His eyes not satisfied with seeing. His ears not satisfied with hearing. And he goes on and he starts talking about life. And he makes a statement in Ecclesiastes, I have noticed bad things happen to the wise and bad things happen to stupid people. So then he makes a statement, what good is wisdom? Then he talks about money 
And he's not being negative. But he says, you work and you work and you work and you work and you die. And some bum gets your money. So he's talking about all of this in the in Ecclesiastes, and you're reading it, and you're going, what a morbid book. But he's talking about life. So I'm going to make a statement to all of you younger people. I was born again a year ago, and I married Lisa a month ago. All you older people, did that make sense to you? Debbie, it makes sense to you. What I'm trying to say is, where in the world did 67 years go? Okay, I'm going to come over here and preach because I don't. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Did I just wake up a while ago and miss? I mean, I remember the boys being little and then, boom, they're adults. And Lisa and I talk about the house and we lived in the cabin for four years and I'm going, we did? I thought we lived there a week. And then we talk about our vacation we took, and I went, was that last year? She goes, no, that's 10 years ago. Don't, look, don't get mad at me. I'm not, I'm not backslidden either. I'm going to read a scripture to you in a minute, and it's going to make all the sense in the world. At the end of your life, no matter what you did, at the end of everything, and listen to me. The end of everything's coming. You know, all you people that are home trying to keep from dying, you're dying. I don't mean to pop your bubbles, but when you went into the house in COVID and came out, you're closer to death now than you when you went in. And you did not extend your life. You just missed a lot of it. So Ecclesiastes is, is quite the book. Let me just read a couple more. For there is no more wise than the fool. I mean, I want you to think this. And just let me have a little minute here. To, I want to give you the scripture and, and make a point. Big, big, big point. Go to, the, go to the graveyard this week and walk through it. And come back and tell me how many people you know. Probably none. There's a marker. And it won't be long. That gravestone will be over. And their whole life is gone. And there's no one that knows they lived and died. I'm not trying to depress you. And yet, they might have been good people. They might have worked hard. Nothing is better for a man that he should eat and drink, and his soul would enjoy good from his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. He has made everything beautiful in his time, and he has put eternity in our heart, except that no one can find the work of God, what he does from the beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them to rejoice and do good in their lives and that every man should eat, drink, and enjoy the good of his labor. That's the gift of God. One more. God will judge the righteous and the wicked. There is a time for every purpose for work under heaven. 
And I perceive that nothing is better that a man would rejoice in his own works and his heritage, for he can bring, and for he does not know what will happen to him. Now, after we said all of that, go. I mean, you may you may want to do this one day and just read the whole book of Ecclesiastes. I want to read the end of this. It says, "The living know that they will die; the dead they don't know anything. They have no more reward." The memory of them is totally forgotten. All their love, their hatred, their envy, everything's gone. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. So eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. And let your garments always be white and your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with a wife to whom you love all the days under the sun, that your days of vanity and your portion of life and the labor that you've performed under the sun... For whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, and there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. All right, now I'm going to go to the end and get you out of this mess. When you stop and think about what he's writing about, he's kind of sitting back and looking at his life and noticing that it's short. And he makes a statement at the end of it. That's powerful. He said, after all of this whining and griping and, and, and fear God. Well, let me read that. Here is the conclusion of my whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing, good or evil. So when you get old, you have to ask the question, what did I do profitable? What did I do? You can pastor a church, but what's the motive? You can make a million dollars. What's your motive? You can raise kids. What's your motive? You can win the Olympics. What's your motive? When it's all said and done, the only thing that's going to matter is did you live right? When you're on your deathbed, you're not going to look back and go, wish I'd have made more money. You'll be thinking, we said I spent more time with my kids. Lisa, one time, and I want to tell on her, where is she sitting? She's sitting in the back. No, she said something very powerful. When her mother started getting older, she started spending a lot more time with her, stopping what she was doing and going to her mother's house and just doing natural things for her mom. And I asked her one day about it, and she said, I will not have any regrets when she dies. I'm not going to walk in a funeral and tell them how much I love them laying in a casket. I'm going to tell my mom I love her now. I'm going to spend time with my mom now. I'm going to do things with her and cook in the kitchen and bake and read the word with her now. 
In other words, those she was using time wisely. And she said, I will not have regrets. Now, I asked the boys one time when they were growing up, and I said, did you have a good childhood? And it was Justin that said, Dad, we, we had a great childhood. We lived on 2.3 acres, and the boys had a little uh, a Welch pony named Oreo. Is that right? O.P. O.P. He was a bathing suit, not a cookie. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and they had a swimming pool, and they, and they actually thought that was the greatest thing in the world. It was above ground pool. And the land next door, there was a big pasture, and the boys called it Greenland, and they would pack their bags and, and go to Greenland, which was about a quarter of a mile away. And they really thought that living out in the country was the greatest thing in the world. They had bicycles and BB guns, and Justin would sit in the sawgrass and shoot every bird. Huh? Crows. You never shot a cardinal? You never, no, Don't lie. Don't, don't lie. And I asked the boys, I said, did you enjoy your childhood? And they said, yeah, we, had, we loved it. And, but yet me, I'm looking back at them, and, and I remember, and I'm going to tell them my heart right now, and I'm, I'm doing this for y'all. All the people in this church that I helped at their expense are gone. And I say this not, not to whine. It's amazing how many people walk in this church and their lives are falling apart. Marriages are falling apart. And Lisa and I will spend weeks, months, and a year, and they pack it up and go to another church, and they've wasted my life. And so I told the boys growing up, I said, if I could do it over again, I'd tell a lot more people in the church goodbye and a lot more hellos to y'all. Now, I was a good dad. We took care of the boys Lisa homeschooled them, and, and we, put, we put the kids first, and we didn't put money first. But, you know, I don't want to grow up, and I don't want to die with regrets. I want to know that I have lived my life. I've, I want to know that I've been the man I should have been. I want to know I've been the dad I should have been. And, you, and the husband I should have been. You don't think about that after everything's fallen apart. If you're chasing money and job and career, you're not thinking right. You, you, your, your family is paying highly for things you're doing wrong. Shouldn't be that way. I'm going to tell you something, the greatest joys of my life, and, and, I, and Ashley's in here now, and I'll just tell on her. I used to come home, and she would, standing on the table with a jump rope as a microphone and singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, and she thought she was Cinderella, and she would sing and sing and sing, and she'd say, Daddy, I'm going I'm, I'm to be Barbie and you're Ken. And I'd stop what I'm doing and go in the bedroom, and I'd sit in the floor with Ashley, and for an hour I'd be Ken. Now, let me tell you something. That's not wasted time. 
And come on, y'all. Amen. Time that you spend, Lisa and I wake up in the morning, and very often she'll make coffee or she'll quote scripture to me, Hebrews. And I'll make the coffee, and sometimes I make breakfast, sometimes she does. And we'll sit in the living room and we'll read the Word of God and pray together. That's not wasted time. That's, you can't get it. You can't buy that back. The fear of God, and, 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 and until you revere Him, you haven't begun being smart. That's, the, that's first grade intelligence. Show me your walk with God and, and I'll show you, you know, and I'll show you what kind of person you really are. Show me what you're spending your money on. Show me what you're spending your time on. Lisa and I were at the restaurant the other day, well, the other day, a couple months ago, um, Bonefish Grill. The man and his wife were sitting outside, and both of them were on the phone. And I walked up and just stood there in front of them, hoping they'd look at me. And I just stared at them, and she's on her phone, and he's on her phone. And they hadn't talked in 10, 15 minutes. And I'm just watching them. And they never looked up. I wanted so bad for them to look up, like, what are you doing? And I, and I, I was going to ask them, who are you talking to? What is so important on that phone more than the woman you're sitting next to? They never looked up and just messed up my whole deal. I'm doing pretty good, all right, for the fear of God. If I could get one, if I could get one young people to do one thing, it would be to seek reverence above everything. The, way, the Bible says, children, obey your parents that it might go well with you. Let me tell you something. You, you, you disrespect your parents. I don't care where you went to school. You're a loser. I'm not against going to college. So I wrote this down, and I want you to, there's two kinds of knowledge. There's the knowledge of God, and there's natural knowledge. Don't seek natural knowledge over the knowledge of God. Dig it out. I mean, f- dig it out. Find out what God's wanting out of you. Spend time reading your Bible. You know, I, I, I was talking to Justin, and, I, and I'm going to talk to Josh Brown. And he said, what should we do with the youth? Let me tell you something. If you just get teenagers to do two things, that's all. You don't have to, don't have to be difficult. Read your Bible and pray. And you'll raise some good kids. I mean, you don't have, it's not rocket science to be a youth pastor. Just teach them to read the Word of God. Pick that book up. One scripture is of more value than all the books on the planet. I'm not talking about the whole book. I mean just one scripture in the Bible has more weight than all the books written. So if you told me, I went to college and I read 100 books, well, don't, don't tell me that the Bible's confusing to you. You're just confused, period. 
don't worry about reading the whole Bible. Why don't you just read one scripture and learn it? And you'll know more than most people on the planet. I don't read hour after hour of the Bible. Sometimes I'll read one passage over and over. The other day I was reading Ecclesiastes and I got stuck on this. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is man's all. Amen. That's, I'm thinking, woo! Yeah, that's heavy. Right, never mind. Stop trying to get God to fit into your life. You fit into his. Well, we could go down this road for a while. So let me, let's talk about this a minute. Because this is another issue that this whole generation has really messed up. We've been talking about it in blood covenant theology. But let's, let's go down this path. I don't remember ever asking God where to go to school. He told me where to go to school. He paid for it. But he told me, Rama, and he told me to quit my job, and he told me to move to Oklahoma, and he told me to go to school here. I didn't pick. Anyway, I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. People ask me, say, what am I going to do? I go, why don't you pray about it? So when I got out to Oklahoma, I was there for two years during school. That made sense. But then I was there for a year, and I said, Lord, I'm going to buy a house. Tom Copeland called me. Only one person ever invited me to work for him. I think because God knew that I didn't need two positions opening up, and he would confuse me. He treats simple people simply. And I kind of looked at this one invitation, and and I said, shall I pray about this one invitation? Because it's all I got. But you know, I came to Florida for the Jesus festivals, and my opinion of Florida, it stinks down here. It smells like fish and beach, and it's hot. So I left and went back to Georgia and thought, that's the last time I'm going down there. Until the Lord said, move to Florida, and I went, really? So I moved here. Worked with Tom. I don't remember him asking me my opinion. I'm getting real deep. And then one day he brought Lisa into my life. Said, this is your next wife. Get on with your life. I said, really? And he said, yeah, I'm tired of you dragging. I need you. Now get married. And I'm like, who died and made you God? being smart. So I married her, and I'm glad I did. I'm still praying that she accepts that, has the same, but I didn't ask her. I just said, well, we're getting married. She did pray about it a year. I already knew it. I had to wait on her. And then after that, I'm down in Cuba. No, it wasn't Cuba. Yeah, I went to Cuba. I was in Guatemala. Guatemala. I just left Cuba. I've been preaching the gospel, because you know the Bible says going all the world and preach the gospel. And so I'm obeying the Bible, and the Lord asked me, what are you doing down here? And I said to him, I said, well, you know, that's a stupid question. I did. I said, you, you, you said go in all the world. He said, well, I didn't tell you to come down here. He told me when you get home, they're going to ask you to take that church. 
I said, well, I don't want to. I'm going to come over here and pray. I'm not. Then, Zach, it's really hard to preach on. Pastor, people, people are messy. Evangelists blow in, blow up, and blow out, and everybody thinks they're great. And then you only need one sermon. And everybody thinks you're smart because you preach it over and over. After a while, you can quote all the scriptures without ever opening the Bible, and, and they know for sure you're the smartest person in the world, but you only have one sermon anyway. And everybody loves you because you came in with good news. But churches, I got to come up with 52 different sermons. A, no, 104 sermons a year. Shuttlesworth doesn't have to come up with 104 different sermons a year. I do. Now the Bible school, I've added five a week times 52. How many is that? Well, they make me mad. Because they're still preaching the same thing they preached last month. And I don't get to preach good news. I have to come in and preach on wisdom and live right sometimes. That's not always good. It goes over real good. But people, people are messy. Carnal Christians are, are a pain. I'm not looking at anybody right now. I'm just... They lie. We're behind you, Pastor. You're so far back there, I don't even know where you are. The Lord told me to come to this church. You know, three weeks later, we'll never see you again. And, and then, if I take up an offer and I'm a crook, but the people at Walmart are not, they're taking your money. And they'll tell you they're taking your money, but I gotta I gotta work and ask you if you would like to obey God. And then if I ask strongly, well then I'm a crook. Nobody else is a crook, but all preachers are. And then if I read something they don't like, I said it. Not the Lord. So pastoring, I don't remember him asking me. He kind of told me. And I think that was about 30 years ago. Amen. But you know, in our life, in my life, it's always been me obeying what he wants me to do. That's almost lost now. People say, go to the church of your choice. Don't you dare. You go where he told you to go. I, listen, I've quit coming here too. Do y'all want to know how many times I've quit this church? 52 times one year. Every Sunday, I will never walk back in there again. Talking about being faithful. Someone says, well, you need to be faithful. And I go, me, just me? I'm the only one? So the fear of God... Stop trying to get God to fit into your life. Why don't you change and fit into his? You know, things would go a whole lot better if you found out his will for you instead of your will for whatever you've got. You know, um, what was it, Dennis the Menace? And Joey said, Dad, we're going to Dairy Queen. Would you like to go? 
Or would you like to drive us? And that sounds like Christians. Amen. Number two. Y'all got me for 22 more minutes. Y'all might get happy. Isaiah 5. I want you to go to Isaiah 5. The next part of wisdom, I can see this could become a series as slow as I'm going. Isaiah 5, 20. Those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, and who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I think we need to return to right being right and wrong being wrong. I had a person say this to me the other day. I won't mention names because I'm going to protect the guilty. Pastor, you have your truth and I have my truth. I said, I don't have a truth. I don't have a personal truth. I have truth is a person. I don't know when we decided we could have, I could have my truth, you can have your truth. I think you're trying to say that you have your facts and I have my facts. Facts change. Truth does not change. Lying was lying and it's still lying. Stealing, all right, let me say it simple. One in one was true a hundred, is equals to, was a true a hundred years ago, it's true now. Where did we get the idea we get to pick and choose truth? No, we don't. You know, people talk about they wish they knew this and they wish they knew that. There's a lot of stuff God didn't tell you. Because you're having a hard time with the book at the size it is without him increasing it. I want to show you something about how big this book is. Just don't, don't get, just, just hold your horses. I'm just going to do something right here for you. Just if, I, if I can get down to it. We're not under the old covenant. Even though it's true. That's your Bible. Don't worry about everything else in the world until you get that part now. Which says, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? I say, I don't think about it at all. I'm still working on love is patient. And kind. And here's the one that's got me. Hardly notices. And the one about keep your mouth shut. I've been, I've been reading those scriptures for months. Never mind. So today, we live in a society where everybody's got their own, their own opinion. You don't have an opinion. He has an opinion, and his opinion is now your opinion. And what do you think about tithing? I don't think about it. I just do it. I read it and went, all right, got that. 
Well, what do you think? I don't think about it. You say, well, don't you think you go broke? Well, no, I never gave that thought. I just read it and did it. Well, what do you think about don't forsake your assembly as the manner of some is? I don't think about it. He didn't ask me my, he didn't say there's a book here and I could write stuff I wanted to in here. Oh, I got stuff I write in here, but it's not scripture. I wished it was. I, there's, I have a favorite scripture in the Bible I wrote. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you mad. I don't preach from it much because it's my opinion. But it's in the Bible because I wrote it in here in Proverbs. I wrote it. It's under Daryl 1.1. 1, 1. All right, we're going to go down. We're going to look at another one. Matthew 7.21. Are you all ready? Wisdom from God. Matthew 7.21. I want to sit with young people sometimes and just read the word. 721. Not says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but him who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say in me that day, and have we not prophesied in your name and cast out devils and done many works in your name? And I'll say to you, I don't think I've ever met you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And then he goes on talking about building your life on the word of God. I'm going to give you a truth here. I'm going to give you a truth. Corn makes corn. Now, this is going to be deep. And wheat makes wheat. If you're a knucklehead, don't expect your kids to be all that. And if you think your kids are idiots... I'm getting vibes. <laughs> These kids are idiots. Wheat makes wheat. Corn makes corn. Idiots raise idiots. I, I, this is why I want to be an evangelist. If you don't like your kids, go home and fix you. Brother Hagen, one time someone asked him, how did you get your people to pray? He goes, I pray. If I pray, people know I pray, and they pray. If you have a church that doesn't pray... It's because the pastor doesn't pray. If you have children who don't pray, mama don't pray. Daddy don't pray. And if you have kids that are on the phone all the time, maybe you're on the phone all the time. I mean, I know, I'm, I know this is deep, but some of y'all are about to choke. I mean, if you're going home today and everything ain't right, Start with you. Just don't get in condemnation. Just start with you right now. Go, by God, I'm, I'm going to make the adjustments. Are you all out there? Did you go home? I mean, this is just good old-fashioned holiness preaching. 
But you're not going to produce a crop of spiritual children unless mommy and daddy are on fire for God. My boys have never wondered about the Bible. As a matter of fact, they never wondered what we would be doing Sunday. Justin, how many meetings did you go to as a boy? Say, say all of them. How many did you go to? All of them. I know your mama. Now, don't get mad at me. But see, this generation is trying to produce a, a crop of great people and not being great themselves. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. If a parent, you don't fear God, what do you really think you're raising? Okay, I, I'm going to move on. Write down Galatians 6, 7, and, and a man reaps, don't be mocked. You're, on, you're reaping what you sowed if you're eating. All right, now this is one of my favorite scriptures in the world, Psalm 15.4. How am I doing? I got 14 minutes. Psalm 15.4. I, I don't know how God raised y'all, but God raised me. When I got born again, I met God. Boy, that went over real good. All right, let me explain it to you this way. The day I got saved, he met me in my room, and I was smoking a joint to celebrate being saved. That's what people do when they get saved, celebrate. And he said, you don't need that. Now I'm looking around the room. Somebody's talking. There's a few people that know exactly what I'm talking about. And I said, who said that? He said, it's me, Jesus. And I'm looking around the room and I said, where are you? He said, I'm inside. What are you doing in there? <laughs> he said, you asked me in. And I went, yeah. I didn't know we were going to be this close and personal. <laughs> I didn't. I just prayed the prayer. I didn't know it was going to work. I didn't know he was going to come live inside. He said he would, but I didn't really believe he would, you know, kind of. And then he made a statement. He said, the playboys, the dope, the booze, the rock music, back of your truck, find a dumpster out in Oconee County and unload it. He didn't give me a month. He said, today. He said, you know that Bible you got when you were a Baptist? Find it. You're going to need it. You know, that was day one. Right after that, he showed me a scripture. Man don't work, don't eat. And he's worse than an unbeliever. And so even though I'm hearing from God so good, he said, 
get a job. And so I went down and I got a job that I wanted and lasted a week. And then he sent me over to a fiberglass plant. I thought I died and went to hell. I said, I thought Jesus died for all my sins. Why do you want me to work in here? Well, this is where you're going to work. And the first day of work, 4 o'clock, I'm showing up. I clocked in. And my boss chews me out. Morgan, you're late. And I chewed him back out myself. I said, I'm not late. I'm supposed to be here at 4. I'm at 4. He said, you're late. And so he walked away, and I said, you smart aleck. And the Lord said, you're late. And I went, there you are again. Talking to me from inside my belly. He said, from this day forward, you work for me. You get here early, you leave late, and you keep your mouth shut. I go, I thought you were going to help me. He said, you asked me to help you, and I'm trying. Folks, what happened to this kind of life? When I got born again, he took me to the book of Proverbs and the Word of God and started demanding me to obey it. You want a better life? You do this. You do this. And you do this. In a year, I was out of debt and driving a new car. He kept his end of the deal. But I'm telling y'all that he, that, that, that he became not only God but daddy. Now, this is a, this is a scripture, Proverbs 15.4. Let me read it. Oh, that's not it. Psalm, I'm in Proverbs. What am I doing in Proverbs? Psalm 15.4. You're probably already reading it, but I want to read it. And this is a scripture he gave me right after I got saved and told me to memorize it. I want to read it bad. I think I'm reading right. If I'm not, I'm not reading it right. Anyway, I'm, I wrote, anyway, find the scripture for me, Justin. It says, he who swears to his own hurt. Okay. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he who honors those who fear the Lord, and he who swears to his own hurt and changes not. You know what that means? If you tell somebody you're going to do it, We're talking wisdom. When you walk in a church and say, this is my church, did you lie? Or did God lie? Who, who lied? When, when you get married, was that until another woman comes along or until she makes you mad? Mine's made me mad. But I didn't renege on my vows because we had an issue or two or three. The Bible says a man swears to his own hurt and changes not. When they hire you at a place of business and they give you a job, you told them you would work for them for that much money. Why are you complaining about it? Go to work. You need, when you go to work... You need to be an employee that they're afraid you will leave. 
I asked my boss one time when I worked at Weber and Tucker. I said, I said, it's obvious you don't like me. He said, Morgan, we don't like you. I said, why do you keep me? He said, you're the only son of a gun. I Christianized him. That we know will be here Monday morning. All the other guys that work here, we don't know what they're going to do Monday. We don't know whether we'll ever see them again. But you will show up. We don't like you. But we're going to keep you. They created work and lost money to keep me. Because I made him money. Are y'all out there? You want employees to, to make you money? You hired them to make you money. What kind are you? Folks, it is a very big deal to, to give someone your word and keep it. Well, what if you made a mistake? Keep it anyway. Now, let me tell you a story. When I'm in Russia, I met with a group of pastors in Siberia. And they said, would you come to our churches? We've never had an American visit our churches and preach in our churches. Well, when you go to their churches in Siberia, you figure out why nobody's ever been over there. And you know what I said to them? I'll be there. But from the time I said that until I showed up, I went in the hospital with congested heart failure, and my heart failed. Guess where I was one year from that day? Siberia. Preaching the word. Because why, why would I pray for God to heal me when I just lied to a whole bunch of people? If he don't keep me alive, I'll die in Siberia. So I took Jordan with me to get my body home. And I didn't tell, dare tell Lisa what I was doing. But you know, it's always been important to me that my, if, if I tell you I'll do something, I'll do what I told you I'll do. And if I'm wrong, I'll still do what I told you I'll do because I said it. Am I the only one in this room? Somewhere along the line, the church has got to come back to good old-fashioned honesty and character. Three-quarters of the people that I meet that walk into church are liars. They come through class. This is my church. And you see them, you know, after three months. You never see them again. How far do you think you're going in God? You're not. Well, it's quiet in this Baptist church. Did it ever dawn on you that maybe God is watching your faithfulness to see if you could even be promoted at all? Did you ever think that maybe the test he's putting you through is to put you someplace you don't like? He put me in a place I didn't like. I, I want to tell you another story. And I think it's sometimes we just need to talk about these things. When I came here to Orlando, and I started pastoring teenagers, 
I had two homosexuals in my youth group. I had a boy and a girl that had a rabbit habit. If you don't know what that is, then talk to someone on the way out. Stop at the youth and ask them what that means. They had sex more than anybody I've ever met. We had two girls that were the most prissy friss pops. We had gossips. We had liars. We had boys that sat there and, and, and chewed gum and, and, and smarted off while I was preaching. And the whole youth group was a mess. And, I, and after about two months, I went to God and I said to God, I said, I want a new assignment. These kids are nuts. And their parents are nuts. And they were. One day I'm walking across the parking lot. And I've got a clipboard in my hand. I'm working at Fern Park as a maintenance man, making $6 an hour. Being a youth pastor, I'm not getting a dime for. And I hear someone walking. You know, the parking lot, when it gets gravelly and, and, and the pea gravel, you know, the asphalt's starting to fall apart and no one's. And I hear someone walking up to me and I hear crunch, 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 crunch. And I know it's somebody. And I'm standing there, and I'm just reading my clipboard. And I thoroughly expect to turn around and see someone. And I turned, and there's no one there. And someone grabbed me in my arm, put their arm around me, and pulled me up like this. And I look really weird with a clipboard standing in front of me like this. And it's obviously the Lord. And he said to me, I sent you here because I have a problem here. Why would he send you? Where he has no problem. And then he said these words to me. I sent you. Because I believe. You can fix this. And he said. And when you get this one fixed. I have another assignment for you. And I went. Like this one? He goes. Yes. Only bigger. Praying in the Holy Ghost with them and laying hands on these kids. I looked up in my living room and they were all praying in the Holy Ghost. And they were prophesying and they were living for God. And the Lord said, I'm done with you here. I went, really? When I took over Word of Life Church, the pastor before me is in prison for cocaine and other stuff. This church didn't have the greatest reputation in the world. And it was very, very difficult. Two reasons. They weren't all that, and neither was I. What it, why is it we have a generation that every time God sends you someplace, it's always about you. Why can't you why can't you walk in a church that's imperfect and stay in it if you're all that hot? 
Are y'all all right or did y'all go home? Why does there only need to be two faithful people in the building? Folks, I'm going to tell you something about this church. Nuts come to church. People with problems come to church. People with issues go to church. And it won't be long that you'll meet them. And they're sitting in the seats next to you. I mean, if you want to judge us by the fruitcakes, just ask me. I'll send you the list of their names right now. I mean, I just, no, I'm teasing you. I really won't. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now, and I want you to sit around and listen to what I'm about to say. There's people sitting in this church that three or four or five years ago I wouldn't have had dinner with. And they're on fire for God. And they're living right. And they're, and I'm, now let me just tell one. Let me just tell on Ashley. Let me just tell on Ashley. On the way back from Georgia, I began to pray for my grandkids. And the other day, Ashley, at Reagan, my granddaughter, came over the house and looked at Lisa and said, I'm going to get right with God. You know what that does to me? Lisa sat down with her and ministered to her, and she went home and told her dad, I'm living for God. And she went to church on her own. And I'm going to tell you something, that excites me. But I look around this church right now and see y'all are waiting on the, on the spectacular. I'm not. I'm looking for the supernatural. I don't care how many times you fall down and get drunk. I want to know, did you change? Did you grow up or are you just a big baby? And we could talk about Zach and Amber, but they're here. We'll wait till they're gone. But I will tell you this about Amber. She was a prayer project. And I'll tell you something, I'm proud of them. I'm about as proud of these two guys as I can be. Working in children's church, growing in God, reading. I'm telling you something, folks. And God had that in mind. And I'm saying that to y'all. Everybody's looking for your place. Oh, I'm going to tell you a little secret. If you're following God, it'll be tough. You might get shipwrecked and snake bit a couple of times on the way there. Boy, I, I, I'm over time. Let me do this one more. There's one more thing of character I want y'all to get a hold of before we walk out of here. Get yourself a good, healthy dose of self-respect. No one's going to respect you till you do. And no one's going to like you until you like you. You take care. On the, on the airplane, they tell you, put the mask on your face. I'm telling you right now, you get the mask on your face. You get a hold of your life and you get some self-respect. You get enough respect for yourself to go, I don't care what the rest of the world's doing. I don't have to do that. I don't have to act that way. I'm not going down the... Right now, we live in a culture, especially if you're of African-American, and you want to become a, 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 a conservative, you're going to get called names. Let them call you names. Amen. If you're going to live for God, somebody's going to call you names. Holy Roller, 
tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy roller, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. They're going to call you all kind of names. And I mean, just, I'm going to tell you this one story, and then I'm going to quit. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of, of your walk with God. John Osteen, a Baptist pastor in Houston, Texas, got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. And he got called before the Southern Baptist Convention to, to give a, um, an account of himself. And they called him in the meeting. And there was like 20 men in there glaring at him because he's now a tongue talker. And they went around the room and every one of them had something to say to John. And they got around to John Osteen and they said, John, what do you have to say for yourself? And he lifted his hands and said, shut up, And he just sat there and spoke in tongues. And, he, and they said, what good did that do? He said, well, it made me feel good. <laughs> I wish I had more time on this one. I mean, we need a good old healthy dose of, I like me. And I like the way God made me. And I don't apologize anymore for the way God made me. So I know how Hagee does it, but I don't. And I know how Joel Osteen does it, but I don't. And my name is Daryl Morgan. And this is how I do it. And I like the way I do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know. However God wired you, you be you. You be the best you you can be. I like, I like Tiffany. Tiffany's a little loud. Well, she can outcook any woman in this church. And if you want to prove me wrong, meet me in the kitchen. <laughs> they don't know how to do it. Let's give them a try. All right. Don't you see? Let me tell you something. You find out what you you find out the person God made you to be, and you be the best you that there is. Now, did I bore you all tonight? I, I, listen, I, I, know, I know I'm getting down on a few things, and I kind of took it a little slow. I didn't want to preach and run out of jump pews. There's one thing missing in America today. It's just good old-fashioned character. I wish people in Washington would get a backbone. I, am, I, I want some people in this country to go to prison. I don't want to hear any more about what they did wrong. Put them away. Okay. And stop apologizing for your walk with God. Amen. Next Wednesday, I don't know, what are we doing next Wednesday night? We're not having service next. Is it next Wednesday? That's December. A couple of weeks away, we're doing, we're doing Wednesday on a Thursday. I don't know what we're doing. Anyway, I want you to think about this when you leave tonight. 
I want you to think about the day you're laying on your deathbed and you're about to die. And I want you to think right now about what you would change. What would you change? Don't tell people you love them in a casket. If you're not living right, today's a real good day to begin. Don't wait till everything gets right. It is never going to get right. Don't wait till you get more money to start giving. You'll never have any money. Start giving now. Love your husband. Love your wife. Love your family. Tell the truth. Even if it costs you. Tell the truth. When you die, I want you to lay on your deathbed and go, Father, I lived for you to the best of my ability. And I'll be home soon. If you're not there now, I mean, I'm being serious. Our generation needs to seriously think because that day is coming. And it might be coming quicker for you than you think it is. You know, ready for me to pray? I'm way over time. Father God, thank you for tonight. I pray that this church and I pray this nation and I pray Christians all over the United States of America would come back and begin adding character back into our life. A lot more to our Christianity than a confession of Jesus as Lord. There's a lifestyle that goes with it. And we need to become a lot more like Jesus every day. I pray that we would would get so on fire for God that people would look at us and not ask us if we're saved. And then I pray that our children, we wouldn't have to preach to them. They would see our life and follow what we do and not what we say. And I pray that we'd be faithful to church. I pray that we would be the kind of Christian that walks into a church because they're there to help. Not always asking the church, what can this church do for me? But what can I do for the people here? What a day it'll be when we see this come back to America. We don't want to talk about the good old days the way it used to be in the 50s and the 60s. I want to talk about the good old days being right now. And Father, everybody in this room, I pray that we would be ready. And I don't mean ready to die and go to heaven. I think all of us are ready to die and go to heaven. Be ready to meet you with no regrets. If there's somebody we need to we need to go spend time with, talk to our hearts right now and go, you, you need to spend some time with them. You, you need to deal with this. You need to get that relationship back again. And Father God, I thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345 and remember our pastor's vision is this we grow christians so we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time